When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, everybody, back to the Oklahoma Drill Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew. I got my co-host, Matt, here with me. And I am very happy to say we are here to review a win, a very early win for the New York Jets in a pretty amazing fashion, a 13-point come-from-behind victory right at the end over the Cleveland Browns. 22 seconds left to Garrett Wilson, the rookie, for the game-winning touchdown. A missed extra point started it all, and some hilarity ensued after that. Matt, I can't wait to get in breaking this game down with you as well as looking ahead to next week against the Cincinnati Bengals. But I just want to start. We don't get to do this often. So let's just revel in this amazing comeback <laughs> win. What the heck happened? Uh, your guess is as good as mine. Uh, I was already sulking on the couch, ready to you know just be pissed for the rest of the week. And then all of a sudden, you know, miracles happen. Uh, I was, what, like 14 when the Monday Night Miracle happened? Uh, at that point, that was the the craziest thing I've seen in sports. Uh, then I won tickets to go see the the Jets Texans game in 2010. Uh, that became the craziest thing I ever saw live. Uh, and then yesterday, probably just the craziest thing in general that I've I've seen. Uh, you, you saw the the win percentage where we had a 99.9 percent chance of losing, uh, and then that 0.1% chance happened. It, it was just like the heavens opened up and the the football gods decided to grace us with, with what we saw yesterday. Um, there's really no other way to explain it because that never happens for the Jets. No, it never happens for the Jets. I, I cannot remember anything like this in a very long time. The only thing that even comes close was 2015 against the Patriots in overtime to Eric Decker. But even then, I mean, that game stayed close through most of it. The Jets had their chance to fight and you kind of got it to overtime. And you said, okay, let's go to overtime. This was just like you said, I was sulking. I was ready to, you know, be upset and be angry. And, and quite honestly, because I thought the Jets played well enough to win the game. And there's an old saying in football, and I think it goes back to this. We'll get in as the breakdown goes on. Ball doesn't lie. And I think there was a lot of opportunities in which the Jets made some good plays that were taken away by some bad penalties, that they had some opportunities that they capitalized on, um, that they didn't capitalize on before against Baltimore the week before. We saw some improvement pretty much from every unit. Um, some units really had some issues. But overall, this was a really solid team win. And I was not expecting it to go that way. And you get right down to the end. And like you said, the heavens open up. Ball doesn't lie. The Jets deserve to win this game. And I think that's what happened at the end. They pulled it out. Uh, let's get into the topic of the week. 
because I don't think there's anybody else that deserves more spotlight for his performance than Garrett Wilson, the rookie wide receiver. And your second NFL game uh, to go back to somewhat of a homecoming to Ohio State and Columbus, not too far from Cleveland. Um, he considered it a homecoming for himself. He said he had about 20 tickets for people in the stands and family and friends that were there watching him. And to come out and get uh, eight catches for 102 yards and two touchdowns, including the game winner, when all the pressure is on the line, all the, the weight of this attempted amazing comeback that was in the works for the coaching staff after the week prior, easing him in and kind of saying we don't want to overload him and and we should get him the ball more but we didn't want to go too far to completely do a 180 the next week and say game on the line we're trying to complete this comeback and we're going to Garrett Wilson on third and 10 in the red zone and he delivers that's incredible and this is that this doesn't happen for the Jets and not often do they have skill talent like this that is this dynamic this explosive and this good this fast I, I can't wait to see what he does next oh absolutely I mean the whole off season, we talked about like how we looked at this receiving core and this talent core uh, all together for this offense and how the sky was the limit for them. And we're seeing flashes of this uh, so far uh, from Wilson, from Moore, from everybody. Uh, but Wilson, the, the most uh, yesterday, uh, the what he put on display was just sheer excitement. Uh, personified in a player uh i i can't even tell you how excited i am to see this team with this talent uh so early too uh i thought maybe that they would take a couple of weeks to really uh go full bore and really show what they can do uh but as of right now we have one of the top passing offenses in the league uh i think if you look at Flacco, I think he's top five or top 10 in scoring uh, yardage and, and accuracy. Uh, and all, a lot of that is due to the fact that he has weapons like more and are probably number one wide receiver, Garrett Wilson. Yeah, I think that's that's the question to ask. Is he now the wide receiver one? And I think there's a good chance that he already is. Uh, apparently, after the game last week in Baltimore, Joe Douglas, Robert Sala, and Michael Fuller all sat down together and decided uh, as a group, we need to feature 17. We need to get this kid the ball because he's too good to, to not be getting him the ball as much as we can. He needs to be on the field more to start with, and he needs to be the featured target because he's just a dynamic talent. And this is one thing that we talked about with him leading up to the draft, where the one thing that we all said about Garrett Wilson was he may not right now be the absolute best in any one particular category of being a receiver, but he's at or near the top of all of them where you want him to be a route runner. He's an absolutely fantastic route runner. He's excellent at creating separation, his lower body and his ability to stop and start and make cuts that are square as heck and cut on a dime is excellent. You know, he's got the vertical speed to separate. He knows how to change up his pace within his routes. There's a lot to love there. You want him to be a, a guy who can make a play, catch the ball in space and run after the catch. He's done that as well. We've seen uh, in his first few games that he's still just as good at breaking tackles and tough to bring down as he was at Ohio State. We've seen his ability to go up and get the football in the air. And despite his smaller frame to still be a, a go up and get it receiver, he can do everything. And there's only a handful of guys in the league that can really do everything. When you're looking at a college prospect and they show that ability, you hope that it's able to translate. But I don't think anyone expected it to translate this quickly. I don't think no. anyone expected where I, I watch him 
in his first couple of games, he looks exactly the same as he did at Ohio State. He's running by people just as easily. He's staying upright and fighting through tackles just as easily. His his vertical leap is just as uh, exceptional as it was before. I, I don't see a difference in him. And that, to me, is the biggest surprise. And it's such a huge positive to where that's why I think the coaching staff has this trust in him. And he backed it up. I mean, to, to, to go even further, he had a really bad drop on a third down towards the end of the game before all the hilarity ensued of the comeback. And you could see it really bothered him. He was already having a really good game. He had got his first touchdown, a couple of other explosive plays, a couple other conversions, and the Jets are trying to get back and, and get a win. And he drops this third down, and you could see it eat, uh, eat at him and really get to him. And he never changed. His demeanor didn't quit. He didn't get down on himself. He completely was ready to go on the very next drive. And the one last thing I want to point out to you, Matt, is I don't know if you've noticed this, but there was a play – uh, on a second down on the final drive when they're going down to score after the onside kick and they get into a second and 10 and it's the exact same play that they score the touchdown on a few plays later where Garrett Wilson's running the little in cut and they have a flat route from the tight end. I think it was Conklin going the other way, try and widen things out. And on the first play earlier in the drive, Wilson runs his route differently. He kind of slow plays it. He lets Flacco step up in the pocket. He kind of hides behind the linebacker in his zone and then kind of accelerates once he gets into the hole. He's able to catch the ball for a first down and keep the chains moving. You get to the touchdown now. And Garrett himself said this post game, and I, it stuck out to me. I wanted to go back and look for it. He said they got the call pre-snap and Flacco, his eyes lit up and they knew that this was going to be a good play. And Garrett said that he gets off the ball and he saw the coverage and he knew it was the same coverage as before and the hole was going to be open. So he sped his route up. And if you watch on the final play, he doesn't hesitate. He gets right behind that linebacker, cuts in. He's looking for the ball right away. Flacco hits him dead in the middle, and he's able to cross the plane for a score and, quite honestly, win the game. That's veteran thinking. That's veteran you know, planning. That's attention to detail. That's being in uh, chemistry with your quarterback and being on the same page. That's what like third-year receivers do, not rookies in their second game not rookies in their second game when they barely played in their first game. I mean, this is incredible stuff. And like I said at the top, I can't wait to see what he does next because I just think he's only going to keep getting better and better. And I don't want to get too far out on a limb after one game, but the Jets might have a superstar receiver on their hands. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I would say he's well on track to be maybe the offensive rookie of the year. Uh, it would probably come down to him in London in the end. Uh, those two are kind of neck and neck right now. But the fact that he's already showing the physicality, the route running, to make it look very easy against NFL talent. Uh, I've never seen somebody get that much separation on a fade in the end zone before. Uh, not on the pros. Not he, the did, pros. He, did, <laughs> he ran the exact same route and got that exact same amount of separation in college from the same alignment. But no, and that's what I mean where, you know, he looks the exact same. He's running the same routes he did at Ohio State. And he's still cooking people. And he's still getting the same amount of separation. It's It's wild. And then, as you said, the cerebral aspect of it as well is all just so well ahead of where he should be right now. Uh, and it's it's amazing. <laughs> I, I love it. Just it's it's only going to get better too. It really should only get better, and especially when Zach Wilson gets back, and this offense can be firing on full cylinders. When even their quarterback is an explosive athlete, that defenses have to worry about. I can't wait to see what this team looks like. You know, we you brought it up, Matt. We've been saying for so long 
all the talent on this offense, all this explosive potential on this offense, we're seeing the results. This game was the the results of it that eventually for a defense, you know, you can do things right for so long and you can cover so many people for so long, but you're still going to leave someone open in a check down and Michael Carter can make a guy miss or you, you let Garrett Wilson slip behind you for a corner round. He's open for 30 yards. Eventually the dam breaks. And you can't cover all of these guys at once. You factor in Michael Flores play calling, what he was able to do to utilize these guys in space. We saw some jet sweeps with Barrios and Brees Hall that I really liked. We saw a little more quick game. We were able to get the ball to our guys out in the flat. On the final drive, it was just get to the check down and let people make make plays. They didn't have to get it all in one chunk. They just let their skill, talent, do what they do best. And Garrett Wilson led the way. That's incredible for a rookie receiver. I I can't wait to see what he does next. I'm going to keep saying it. Same, yeah. All right, let's continue on here, moving on with the Browns. Uh, I think a good place to go next would be the defense. Uh, Offense, I think, played really well overall. Flacco, 304 touchdowns. You know, you put up 31 points against the Browns defense. That's a good day. But it wouldn't have gotten there without the Jets defense keeping them in the game. And I think they did a really solid job of limiting the Browns run game, keeping Hunt and Chubb contained for the most part. Chubb still did his damage, still had three touchdowns. But... They didn't get steamrolled and the Jets were at no point in this game, except maybe the final two minutes where they proved that even that wasn't out of the game where they added the game. And that's a big reason that goes to the defense for me. They had a lot of crucial stops and some crucial moments. And the one guy I really want to highlight for the second straight week, DJ Reed. DJ Reed was an amazing free agent signing. The dividends that he's paying off already is incredible. He had a great game against Baltimore. He saves a touchdown early in the game against the Browns on a pitch play to Nick Chubb going around the left edge, where if DJ Reed doesn't get Nick Chubb by the ankles one-on-one in space, it's a walk-in touchdown. Not even, yeah, not even a competition. And the thing that's amazing for that play about me is not only tackling a running back like Nick Chubb one-on-one in space, he slips at the start. He slips, he's on the ground, he's getting off a block, and he's able to get up off the ground and accelerate and still make the tackle. Had another play later in the game on a third down when the Browns were back up in their own territory where he's in zone coverage and he's covering a receiver deep and he sees Brissett start to throw the ball shallow and he falls off his deep route, comes up, and lays a huge hit on the receiver and forces a punt. I'm, I'm loving what I'm seeing from DJ Reed. I, I really think that he is going to be he might be the best member of our defense right now. Uh, In fact, I think he is. That's not far-fetched. No, I I think that he more than likely is. Uh, But you know what? I think there's an unsung hero from yesterday on the defense uh, who really only had five total snaps, uh, and that's Brendan Eccles. Yeah. He came off the bench uh, when Sauce got hurt, uh, and he came up huge in the red zone. One with one pass deflection, uh, another with uh, uh, driving the receiver out of bounds. Uh, he Nobody showed up more than him on that drive and really kept them out of the end zone. I think that resulted in a field goal. That, that Yeah, he got a drive. third down stop on a, on a scramble play where he's in man coverage and he's having to man up on Harrison Bryant, Brown's tight end for a long, long time where Brian originally goes inside and then Brissett starts rolling outside and he has to reset, cover with him, break back outside. And he was able to undercut the pass and swat it away and force a field goal. It was a great rep. It was a great rep. And he was saying on Twitter uh, when he was talking about Garrett Wilson, how how hard it is to guard Garrett Wilson. So I have to think that going up against this talent has really, really 
brought the best out of Eccles. Uh, and there's a lot said about how Eccles uh, got to dress and not Hall. Uh, and maybe this is why, because Eccles has just shown that he is taking to everything a little bit faster. Uh, and he might now be our number three uh, uh, cornerback. Yeah, I think there's a good chance that he's overtaken Bryce Hall. Uh, and I think last week, you know, Robert Sala said it himself that the guys will emerge. They'll get in the crunch moments uh, and, and when times are tough and people need to come up and make a play and the dudes that are going to make the plays are going to show themselves and said it'll kind of just happen. Well, there's Brandon Eccles. Gets his opportunity when Sauces, you know, getting evaluated for a concussion and has to miss a couple of plays. Gets into a, a crunch situation where he knows he's going to be targeted. Gets on Amari Cooper on his first rep. Covers him really well. Goes, like I said, has the pass breakup on third down. Got his opportunity and showed up. And Bryce Hall, I think, did a good job in, in coverage on the touchdown last week, but gave up a touchdown. You'd like to see him fight through the hands a little stronger and maybe dislodge the ball or maybe get his head around and see if he can swat it before it gets there. Yes, it was a great throw by Lamar. It was an even better catch by Duvernay, but you got to look at the results and Eccles got tested and he passed and Bryce Hall failed. So I'm, it's pretty clear to me. And in fact, it was clear to me in the spring, if you remember, we said this, where I had an inkling that Eccles was more their type because I thought he was a little more explosive and led better play on the ball. And that's what we saw last week and yesterday in Cleveland. And it's different than what we saw from Bryce Hall the week before in Baltimore. Yeah. And a lot of people were a little uh, miffed that Brissett was able to kind of drive down uh, the Jets throats, especially in the passing game and made him look a lot better of a quarterback than he actually is. Uh, And I believe that's mostly because of the kind of offense that, the, that the Browns have uh, and how they most likely do have the best offensive line. So that's probably going to negate any kind of pass rush. And they kind of did hold our pass rush in check for most of the game, uh, except for that crunch time when we needed to stop very, very badly. And Lawson and, and Quinnen uh, combined for the most clutch sack that I can think of uh, the, the ability to to not uh, get you know held down by this offensive line the entire game, and when we needed them most, they came through. Yeah, they did. Uh, Carl Lawson had an excellent bull rush on Jedrick Wills on that third down, where he gets his pad level low. He's already you know is a six two, two hundred and sixty pound de. He's already got some good leverage advantage against most tackles, but he stays low. He goes for the bull rush. He gets right under Jedrick Wills like elbows and just pushes his arms out of the way and locks him in place. Gets right under him for the sack and the pressure. Quinnen cleans it up on the other side, completely just stonewalls Teller back into the pocket. Your best players make plays in the biggest moments. Like I said with DJ Reed earlier, you get one-on-one out in space with Nick Chubb, you make a tackle, you make a stop on third down when the Browns are backed up. I thought we saw some good play from Quincy Williams as well. I thought he had a couple of nice run stuffs. The play before, I'm pretty sure that third down sack from Lawson and Quinnen, I think was a really big, uh, or it was either the play before or the first uh, two plays ahead. Quincy Williams got a really nice run stuff for a huge loss on, I think it was Kareem Hunt. Yep where we're seeing some improvement from him. Ashton Davis makes the game-winning interception. 
where he gets his one snap on defense and he's playing free mm-hmm. safety. And, and I saw a, an all 22 clip of it on Twitter earlier today. And it's, I swear it looks just like a clip from his time at Cal where he picked off Justin Herbert and cover three on a uh, similar play where it's a throw over the middle. He's watching the eyes. He breaks on the ball and just picks it off. And he's got the speed and the range to do it. We're seeing improvement from all levels. And you had mentioned something earlier where you were talking about Eccles going against Wilson in practice. And I think this is something to be said about the whole team. There's talent on this team now. So when they're practicing against each other, they're actually getting better because they're going against good players. We talked about it on our 53-man breakdown where we're going, it's so hard to find 53 guys that that are going to fit because we want to keep so many. And the year before, we could barely get to 45. Hmm. where we're we're begging for 53 players that we want to keep on the roster. That's the difference. There's been such a severe upgrade in talent and such a severe upgrade in coaching from a few years ago that you're really starting to see the dividends pay out. And I keep referencing DJ Reed, but he's probably my favorite player on the team right now after two weeks. And he had a quote uh, in the locker room after the win where he said, we haven't even played complimentary football yet. We haven't even had a game where everybody for the whole game is firing on cylinders in sync, where defensively we had some struggles, but the offense played well. Imagine what we can look like when the whole team is really clicking and all together. And he's right. This team hasn't reached their potential yet. This team, this is an incredible win and everyone should be happy and we should all celebrate and, you know, revel in this for as long as we can. But at the same time, there's things to improve. There's things that that need to be cleaned up for the future if they want to be consistently winning. They didn't hold the lead until there was 22 seconds left in the game. Yes, that's all that matters, but you would like to see them hold the lead for at least some time prior and not go almost the entire game without getting ahead of the scoreboard. There's a lot of potential here. I can't wait to see what's next for this team. Defensively, I think there's definitely some encouragement after two weeks going against some really tough teams. Overall, uh, I'm pleased with this team they don't quit they're competitive there hasn't been any second throughout these two weeks where i've sat there and gone the jets are a dumpster fire and they're going to be out of every game they've ever been in remember at the start of the the season in the spring mat when the schedule first came out and so many people were going i don't know if they get to win the first nine weeks well we don't got to worry about that anymore no we do not i mean i had a feeling we would be at least one in four in this first four games uh so we're playing with house money right now uh so i i think the, we can maybe even squeak a few more out. Um, yeah, but the uh, what you were saying about DJ Reed and uh, what he was saying about improving and how they haven't even played complimentary football yet, I think that sentiment uh, rings true throughout the entire locker room. I think they all know that they have room to improve, uh, and they aren't going to take this win for granted, no matter how exciting, no matter how improbable it was. Uh, they still have a lot to do, and they know it. Um and the fact that it's team-wide uh, can only be a good thing. Uh, there were some things that really need to be cleaned up, and that's tackling and screens. Uh, these two things pretty much destroyed us all game. We had something like 17 missed tackles, uh, which is a wild amount. Uh, and the fa- and every time they threw a screen at us, it seemed like we've never seen a screen before. Uh so I as screens have been our bugaboo for the last year or two. So uh, it's kind of troubling that we're still having these kinds of troubles with screens. It's only going to get worse. Teams are going to dial in on this weakness and keep doing it. They're going to keep attacking us with screens until we can prove that we can stop it. Uh, so that needs to come sooner than later. 
Yeah, it absolutely does. Uh, and it starts this coming week against the Cincinnati Bengals, where the Bengals surprisingly are 0-2. They are the only team in the NFL. The Jets would have been joining them, if not for last week, but the only team in the NFL to not hold a lead at any point over the first two games of the year, where their offensive line seemingly got worse than last year, and their offensive line was their biggest problem, despite the fact that they made it to the Super Bowl. Um, you know, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase played fantastic. The defense had their moments as well. That offensive line really struggled, and it's seemingly gotten worse. And the Bengals are in disarray right now. Their coach, Zach Taylor, is an offensive coach. Screens against this team is not a complicated thing to figure out. He knows he has an offensive line that's really struggling, and the Jets are probably going to be licking their chops trying to get home on his quarterback. They got to be prepared for screens in the future because they're likely going to see a lot more of them this week and every week after until, like you said, Matt, they can stop it. The issue with, with that for me, I agree it needs to get better. And I'm by no means trying to say that, you know, make any excuses for anything because it's something they need to improve on and tackling. Absolutely. You can't have that many missed tackles, but I got to tip my hat to Kevin Stefanski because the screens and the way that he drew them up against our defense were perfect play calls. They were absolutely perfect play calls where they knew what coverage the jets were in and they had route combinations from the receivers that were drawing out anybody that was going to be near to come down and tackle the screen. They knew the D-line was going to be aggressive in getting upfield, and they would be able to slip behind them. And it was some really, really good play calls. And you got to give credit to Jacoby Brissett as well. I think Jacoby Brissett played really well. I don't think he had any obvious major mistakes outside of the very last play of the game, but he was efficient with the ball. He was able to avoid pressure when it did come, even though it was rare. Got the ball out on time trusted his receivers to make plays through some balls and some tight windows. You got to give credit where it's due. I thought Brissett played well too. I think this is something that's, that can be improved, but I also think that sometimes you get beat by really good calls and there's only so much improvement you can do to, to prevent getting beat by really good calls. Sometimes you're just going to get beat. And so looking forward, I'm really trying to think about this team and I keep going back to DJ Reed saying complimentary football. I can't wait to see what this team is going to look like when they have a lead through most of the game. Because I think that's when, are you going to see some screens to generate some free yards? Yeah. But I also think you're going to see the Jets maybe tip into that a little more. I think you might see them change up their coverage. I think you might see them run some more exotic things defensively because they know that they're now on the aggressive and they're not having to play limit and say, let's stop and keep things in front of us because we don't want to give anything up. That's what happens when they get beat with those screens is they get too wrapped up in trying to be in their P's and Q's and stay in their right gap that they just let stuff go out in front of them. I think you could see an improvement when the whole team gets better. And I do agree it needs to get better as a, as a whole defending the screens, but I just don't know how much it's going to get better. And I think the best way to defend it is to get out into a lead so that teams just can't do it over and over. I agree. I mean, and I have to think that a lot of the reason why it probably won't improve too much is just the nature of our defense and exactly. its attack mode uh, style. So that, that just kind of breeds uh, an open playing field for, for screen passes to, to thrive. Uh, yeah. So I don't see it improving too much, but uh, yeah, you, you're right. The best weapon against it is to have a lead and force them to throw the ball downfield. 
Absolutely. And that's going to be my answer for a lot of struggles on defense, just with how I know this defense is built and I've known the history of it and how it succeeds based on all the studying that I've done on it. You need to be able to score points offensively when teams get down by seven or 10 points against the Jets, because it will happen with the amount of skill talent that they have, the way their offense is playing, the way the offensive line rebounded and seems to be starting to get and set in their footing. I think you're about to see an offensive explosion. You're seeing Garrett Wilson take off. Elijah Moore is still playing well. Michael Carter looks amazing. Mm -hmm. Michael Carter looks freaking fantastic. His ability to break tackles somehow got better. His ability to stop and start and have the balance to contort and bend his body in weird ways and still pick up yards. It's still just as good as it was. And like I said, maybe even better. There's too much talent on this offense for it not to just be a powder keg that eventually explodes. When that happens, I think you're about to see this defense really take off. I, I'm I'm so encouraged by this win. To, to end here before we get you know completely breaking down, looking ahead to the Bengals and what specifically they need to do. The fact that they got this win so early, the fact that they're so young, the fact that their youth was a big reason why they got this win, the fact that they had a miracle comeback and they no one on the team ever stopped fighting, never had any disbelief that they weren't going to be able to come back and win. I think this is your this is your stepping stone moment. I really do. I think this is the turning point where for the rest of the season, the team can look back in the locker room and go, we got one. We're capable. We know what we're doing, where even if they hit some struggles in the middle of a game next week or the week after, they can look back at this game and go, we're fine. We know what to do. We can prove that we can we can claw our way back and we can handle things. I think this is so, so important for this team. If they were to have not won this game and they're sitting at 0-2 and, and, you know, Robert Sala just had his receipts comment and, you know, they played well, but they still had some miscues and they let things up in the end, I think it would really, really hang on this team in a negative way. And the fact that they were able to pull this out, I think it's going to springboard things. I think this is, I think this is the start of the new Jets. We can sure hope so. Uh, the uh, next week against the Bengals will show a lot to that effect uh, because the the same old Jets from from years past uh, would go into a game after uh, the game we had against the Browns and lay an egg. Uh, so it really needs to change. They need to show some fortitude and go out against Cincinnati and show that it wasn't. They're not just a one hit wonder that they can uh, handle success. Uh, a lot of people complain about handling adversity, but we need to be able to handle success. That's how we become a better team. When we win, we need to stack wins. We can't just win one game and be happy with it. We want to win championships here, right? We want to win playoff games. Right. Uh, that doesn't happen with, uh, with hanging your hat on uh, one crazy win. Uh, it's great that it happened, but we got to look forward. Uh, and again, that goes back to to the mental fortitude that this team had in the locker room at the end of the game saying, hey, we still need to improve. We still need to get better because they're right. going to face another team uh, next week and not just any team, a, for, a team that just came back from the Super Bowl. Uh, and they're still just as deadly. Absolutely. No, you're a, you're a hundred thousand percent right that now it's about stacking it up. Now it's about taking it and taking this win and building off of it and taking things for the future and improving. And I really think that they will. And the reason that I'm hopeful for that is that, like you said, in the years past, the Jets 
of old would have had a big win and they would have gone in the next week and they would have laid an egg because they got way too high on themselves and overconfident. And now it's, oh, you know, we forgot how to win. That would usually happened after the Jets had lost like their first six games in a row. Yeah. That would usually happen after the Jets were already out of everything. And it's, oh, we just, we're just trying to get the one to prove that we can do it. And you have all your emotions poured into this one game. This win happens so early for them. I, I think that it takes all of that away. All the nerves of these young players to say, when am I going to get my first win? Is this the same old Jets? What am I in for? That's gone. All, all of the, you know, Robert Sala not won a game in September since, you know, Sam Darnold's rookie start, his first game of his career. That's gone. You know, all of that extra nonsense that, that gets thrown on this team is gone for this year. And I really think it's going to allow them to play looser, faster and, and build on things for the future. I'm so excited to see what happens next. Let's get into this Bengals game. I think first things first, we have to talk about the Bengals offense versus the Jets defense. Like I said at the start, the Bengals offense has been struggling a lot. They certainly could be running a lot of screens to try and counteract that. I think they're going to try and feed Joe Mixon. Um give him the opportunity to tote the rock and have him take the punishment rather than Joe Burrow. And then in the secondary, you got to be able to lock up against probably the, I won't even say probably without a doubt, the best group of receivers the Jets have played so far this year in T Higgins, who's coming off an injury, but probably will play Jamar chase. Tyler Boyd is still there. You know, they have other weapons um, besides Mixon, Chris Evans, their backup running backs, a really good receiver. I'm and Burrow himself is an excellent quarterback, even if he's struggled for these first couple of weeks. This is going to be a big test for this secondary, the biggest they've had so far. It really is. And the the dynamic ability of this uh, Bengals offense uh, is twofold, actually kind of threefold. First, you have the the wide receivers that they have uh, that can beat you at all levels with speed, strength, route running, everything. Then you have the run game with Mixon, who's a very good running back, who makes a lot of people miss uh, and really makes a lot of his own production. Uh, and then you have Burrow himself, who is not an immobile quarterback. He is somebody that can burn you with his legs if he needs to. Uh, so it's a hard task to really put all of these elements at bay. Uh and it's it's going to be a very hard task for our team. The only thing that I saw in the last two games against Pittsburgh and Dallas that were able that was able to really put the Bengals on their heels was to get consistent pressure. When they got pressure, it forces Burrow to make mistakes. It forces Burrow to not be able to get to his his uh, star wide receivers as much as he wants to. It forces him to beat teams with his legs. Uh, it forces them to just run the ball with Mixon. Uh, that's what we want. If we're forcing Burrow to beat us with his legs, if we're forcing the Bengals to go to Mixon to beat us, then we're light years ahead of where we need to be. Uh, but that's no small task at all. Uh, with the, the three wide receivers you just mentioned, it's going to be tough sledding for the secondary. Uh, luckily, we have Sauce, we have Reed, we have Carter. Uh, we have Whitehead. We have the guys in place uh, that can make a much better showing. Uh, and don't forget, we beat this team last year with much less talent. <laughs> so yep. it's not out of the question. Uh, we just need everything to go right. And I'm going to be honest. I don't know, not to completely counter you or anything, but I don't know if everything has to go right. 
I think if most things go right, the Jets can still walk away with a win. One, they're at home. MetLife is going to be an absolute madhouse after the victory in Cleveland. You have all the hype and the energy of this team is, is infused back into it after you had a tough loss week one. So you're going to have hope there. You've seen that you're already capable of beating this team. A lot of the same players from the Bengals returned. They didn't really add a ton of new to their roster. And the Jets already shown with a less talented team that they were able to get out a win. Like I said, you're at home again. That's going to be a help. And this offensive line, get generating pressure is a lot. One of those things where it might be easy to say you can generate pressure. Their offensive line has been horrendous. They've been absolutely terrible through the two first two weeks of the year. And they were bad last year. So it's a good chance that the Jets should be able to generate some pressure and force some mistakes out of Burrow to where you may not have to play a completely clean game on the other side. If you can get some mistakes from that Bengals offense, I think there's a good chance that you could really put things behind the eight ball. And this could be an opportunity where if the Bengals get into a situation where they have to be throwing every play, I think you're playing into the Jets hands. If you can lock up in the secondary enough, limit their free opportunities down the field, make them kind of play the shallow game and be able to come up and tackle. That's where improving your tackling is going to be important. But I thought the Jets did a solid job of tackling early in the game, and it was really more towards the end where they were getting greedy and trying to go for strips as well as being tired going against a a tough physical team like Cleveland. You're not going to have that against Cincinnati. I think there's a really good chance defensively to generate some pressure early, to try and send some extra blitzes, to get in the face of these receivers and show you're not scared of them. Show that you trust in your back end and that you know their offensive line's weak and you're going to dictate the game offensively and say, we're coming at your quarterback, so if you want to try and win with the run game and see if your offensive line can bully us, that's fine. But we've already shown over these past two weeks that we're not getting bullied by anybody. So do your worst, Cincinnati. But I think you come out full force, you come out swinging, and you make this Bengals offense and this Bengals offensive line proof that they can win the game because I don't think they can. Yeah, you're right. I, I, I'm i going to change my stance now. You, yeah, you don't need everything to go right. In fact, it doesn't matter if, uh, if everything goes right or not because we just look at last week. A lot of things went wrong last week, and we still won. And that's really all that matters, doing enough to win. Uh, and we can maybe do enough to to stop these uh this, this passing game of the Bengals. I highly doubt we'll be able to stop it all game. In fact, I guarantee we won't be able to stop it all game. They will get their licks in. Uh, it's all about how we can keep pace or even pull ahead, and that's gonna go on the shoulders of our offense. Yeah, and that's that's a good point to get to the offense. And I think to repeat what we said last week, we saw it work. Get your playmakers the ball in space and let them do the rest. It, it has to be every week, regardless of the opponent, the number one focus of this offense. It's not establish the run and run wide zone. It can't be. It, it can't be we're going to be the physical team and we want to be Cleveland and we're going to run 25, 30 times a game. Uh-uh. That's not what this team is built for. That's not what you added all of this talent for. That's not the way this defense is built to play uh, with an offense that's built to match. That's not how the identity of this team is supposed to be. The identity of this team is supposed to be an explosive, high-flying passing offense that utilizes their uh, 
immense amount of playmakers, lets them get the ball in space and run and do damage and overwhelms defenses with their speed. That's got to be priority number one. I loved, like I said earlier, the jet sweeps we saw with Brees Hall. I love that. I want to see that again next week. I love the sweep to Berrios because he's got such good vision and can make such good cuts that he doesn't need perfect blocking or the biggest creases like we saw against Cleveland. He can still make a cut and make a big play out of it. I want to see Garrett Wilson getting the ball in the flat and being able to turn and run. We have the play action opportunities. We know Flacco is going to be playing this game again. We know he can make throws down the field. You have to feature all of this speed. We saw what happened last week when the Jets did it. They they just need to do it even more because you can have a really, really dangerous offense. All the pieces are there. Yeah, I, I think this is a great matchup for our offense. When I look at their uh, their defensive line, I see a lot of beef. I see BJ Hill. I see DJ Reader. I see Trey Hendrickson. I see Sam Hubbard. These are all powerful guys that will want to get push. Uh, so if we can spread the ball, uh, get them on the edges, then that we have ourselves an advantage there. And then you have their our sec uh, their secondary against our receivers. Yep. I am munching at the bits to watch Eli Apple go up against Wilson or Moore or even Davis for that matter. Uh, I think that our receivers uh, should have a field day against the secondary. Uh, I think they have elements that can come together and stop us. I, anybody can have a great day. They have talent that can have good days. Uh, so I'm not going to count it out that, oh, they can maybe stop us here and there. But just like with uh, the Bengals passing game, they can maybe stop us a little bit, but I can't see them stopping us all game. We're going to get our licks in as well. Uh, and these are the matchups to do it against. It absolutely is. Uh, and you go back to last year, Mike White threw for 405 yards against this defense with less skill talent than they have now. And I think Flacco is playing better now than White has through most of his starts, uh, at least after last week. Was Flacco perfect? No. But I think there was a lot from Flacco that you saw that are why the Jets have so much confidence in him. There was a, a third down conversion earlier in the game. I think it was on I think it was on their two minute drill where they were able to go down uh, and get a touchdown to Brees Hall, tied the game up at 14 before halftime. And they get Garrett Wilson in the slot and he's running a little in cut and he gets right over across the face of the DB and he's going over the middle and it's like a 15, 20 yard play. And Flacco throws an absolute dart puts it literally dead on Garrett Wilson's face mask. He's got pressure bearing down on him and puts it right where only Wilson can get it, where he can snag it, run in space and take advantage of the route that he ran that got him so open. We saw later in the game, he spots Corey Davis going deep down the field, sees him come open, knows that that's there, is able to throw a perfect ball, hit Davis in stride. And, you know, it's always not so easy to hit the guy that's wide open. Sometimes you, you get so excited that he's wide open that you underthrow it or overthrow it. And, you know, if Corey wasn't able to catch it in stride and run, who knows what might have happened. We saw on the touchdown to win it. That was a tight window. They uh, Flacco knew the coverage they were in. He knew that Wilson was going to be open, but he knew he had to throw a perfect ball in the right time, and he drilled it. And it, it was a, a bullseye. You couldn't have thrown it better if you tried. I'm really hopeful that we're going to see that veteran presence in Flacco going against another team that he's familiar with, going against another team that he's played against before, and all of this skill talent and less threats on the defensive line of the Cincinnati Bengals than the Browns just had with Miles Garrett and Clowney and Taven Bryan had some great plays as well. You know, there's 
less of a threat there defensively to worry about. IQ said, you're munching at the bit. I'm licking my chops looking at this Bengals defense. And knowing that they're going to be desperate, knowing that they're probably questioning themselves a little bit because they were just in the Super Bowl and now they're 0-2 and they've never even held a lead this year and they're going against a team that shocked them last year back into a hostile environment that's going to be rocking like hell after a crazy win. I bet the Bengals are tucking their tails. I bet they're scared of this matchup. I bet they think that this could get really ugly and that they're going to have to be firing all on all cylinders. And if they had come out early and things start looking ugly, I think you have a chance for the Jets to go for the throat. I think you have a chance to make an outright statement and build off this win that you just had and come out and show the NFL, this is not the same old Jets and we can hang with anybody and we're going to take the, the Super Bowl runner-ups from last year behind the woodshed. I can't wait for Sunday. Let me throw a curveball at you. Back when Zach Wilson got hurt, uh, or not when he got hurt, but towards uh, the start of the season, uh, when Sala says, oh, we're not going to have Zach until at least week four. Now, back then, I was curious, why would he say that? Why would he say at least until week four uh, and not just go week to week, leaving the possibility? And I wonder if that was gamesmanship in itself. And saying, because right now Zach is practicing, is there a chance that Sala could pull a fast one and have Zach start this week? I'm going to say no. And the only reason I'm going to say, well, you know, there's two reasons, actually. The first reason is that Joe Flacco just won you the game in Cleveland. Had 300 yards, four touchdowns, didn't have any interceptions, was efficient with the ball. And you don't win that game without Joe Flacco, period. Could Zach have played just as well and won the game too? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Not trying to say that Zach was incapable of that, but Flacco deserves credit for this win. He played really well and he made some plays in crunch and clutch moments that won them the game in the end. There's a lot to that. You have some offensive consistency. Things are rolling things. You know, you're keeping your rookies and the rest of your offense. That's young. When they have that veteran presence that knows what they're doing, that keeps things on schedule. You're helping them develop too. We saw what it did for Garrett Wilson. I think there's a huge, huge part of that. Secondly, I think the Jets know they're talented. I think the Jets know they're good, and they don't want there to be any possibility of any risk whatsoever of Wilson not being 100,000% healthy when he comes out on the field. I think if Zach Wilson needed to, he could play this week. I think he's healthy enough. He hasn't, he's not wearing a brace. He's been in practice. He's you know around the team. It's been close to six weeks since his injury. I think uh, potentially longer, roughly the same time since he's had surgery. You know, I think he's healthy enough to be playing right now if he needed to. But I think the Jets don't want to even possibly risk anything, especially with their injury luck last year and partially this year in training camp. They don't want to risk any possibility of him re-injuring anything. They want to be 110% safe. And so they set their deadline as week four. That's what they're going to do. In the meantime, their offense is playing well and Flacco's getting the, moving the ball down the field and their young talent's doing the rest. I don't see any reason to, to, to start, Zach. I think Flacco's enough. I think you can win this game with Flacco perfectly fine. Oh, yeah. I, I completely agree that he is more than enough. Uh, I was thinking, what if we didn't win yesterday and the plan was to go to Zach? Then maybe he, they're a little bit more inclined to. If Flacco was the reason they lost, maybe, but there's, but he wasn't, but he wasn't. And they very well could have lost and Flacco could have played the exact same way that he did. And I don't think that it would have been because of Joe Flacco. 
So I'm, I don't see that. I think the Jets have, we're seeing the results. Like, can let, can we be realistic here that every time things go wrong, we're so ready to dog on these coaches and say they don't know what they're doing and, and question every decision they make? Well, things just went right. Things are going right. You have a defense that's improving, that's played way better against the run, against two of the best running teams in the NFL the first two weeks than anyone could have possibly expected. You've seen improvements in the secondary, a secondary that got toasted by anybody that challenged them last year. You've seen an offense generate yards in back-to-back games. You've seen quarterbacks be mostly efficient. You've seen skill talent make explosive plays that we haven't seen in years. And you just saw a Jets team pull off an come from behind out of nowhere miracle win. How are people not encouraged? I, I don't see how there's any, it, you got to be able to be objective. Like we always say, Matt, and look at things for what they are and, and give these coaches credit. They said it might take time, but they said they had a plan in place and they trust the guys they have and they're going to make it work. And you know what? They're making it work. Credit to them. Yeah. Uh, there's, I, I forgot what it's called. I looked this up at one point, the fear of success, what, what the phobia is. Uh, but it definitely exists, and it exists prominently within this Jets fan base. Uh, you have even the, the most minuscule ounce of success, and everybody starts to look at what could go wrong, uh, me included, <laughs> just because we've had so much uh, heartbreak over the years that it's just easy to really just hang on that, hang on the past, uh, and not look forward, to not see what is actually in front of us. Uh, there were so many things that needed to be fixed after week one, and so many of those things were fixed, or at least fixed to the point where uh, the the harm was mitigated. Uh, you had people questioning Salah uh, and his decisions, and then you saw in this game, he had two very big decisions uh, that may have won us the game. Uh, one was that uh, the fake punt, uh, which was ballsy yep. as hell. Uh, and then you had the the decision to not call the timeout uh, before the half. Uh, and looking back at that, it everybody trashed him at the time. Like, why aren't you calling the timeout? Why don't you want 44 more seconds? But then they scored. And then you saw that they there was only 11 seconds left, I believe, uh, if they uh, didn't. 22 seconds left when Garrett Wilson scored, but they would have been there would have been close to a minute left for the Browns to drive down and potentially kick a game winning field goal, which they ended up having to rush. And that's when Brissett threw a ball down the field that he was forced to throw and Davis picked it off and sealed the win. You didn't want to leave the Browns too much time. And again, going back to to Sala and, and trust because he was confident they were going to score. He was confident the whole time they were going to get the ball back. They were going to pull it out and they were going to score. He said, Salah said at his press conference that the second they recovered that onside kick, he knew. He said, there's no way we're not scoring. And he was right. He trusted in his team and they backed him up. Yeah. And going from week one to week two, you saw the how he handled short fourth and short. Uh, how uh, he what didn't have confidence in how the offense was flowing week one. And he didn't go for it. Uh, but you could see it was very obvious from the get-go uh, against the Browns that our offense was clicking, that we were driving the ball down the field. Uh, it was just a matter of drops or uh, bad calls by the refs that really slowed us down a lot. And so he saw that opportunity and he took it. Uh, and then you got Brandon Mann as well coming Superman. through. Superman. <laughs> 
with that with that fourth down pass uh and also just great punting overall uh and kicked the onside kick and kicked was the kickoff specialist of the recovered onside kick it was uh, you want to talk about bounce backs but i don't think there was anybody outside of maybe lake and tomlinson that had a bigger bounce back and from week one to week two than Braden Mann. yeah oh for sure uh so the the quickness that this team can fix things that need to be fixed and improve uh is already light speed the fact that they could do it from one week to the next so a lot of the things that may be worrying people, maybe we don't need to worry that much about. No, and I think a good way to end, especially going forward now that they have this win under their belt and we know that there's room to improve for the future, but they've proven that they can do it. They've proven that they can hang. They've proven that they belong and that they're not a dumpster fire that's just going to get steamrolled by every supposedly good team on paper that looks better than them. That's not the case anymore. And I think Michael Carter said it best in the post game where he was talking to a reporter and he was saying, you know, I love the media. You guys are just doing your jobs and you do the best job that you can. But you guys react way too hard to one loss. And he's right. Where it's one week of the season, the Jets played competitive for most of the game against a team that a lot of people picked to possibly be in the Super Bowl, possibly win their division. Almost everyone assumed was going to be fighting for a playoff spot with an MVP caliber quarterback. And in my opinion, one of the five best head coaches in the league. You have a team that should beat a team like the Jets that won four games last year. And it was competitive and the Jets put up a fight. They had some things they needed to improve. They come out immediately the next week. They show improvement. And like Sala always says, they found that extra 60%. They accessed the the 60% that they had left and they did just enough to be able to get a win. That's what you're looking for. That's what you want for the future. And I I really think this is a huge stepping stone win. Uh, This is going to be, a win that we look back on with fondness for a long time. One for just how crazy it was, how unexpected it was with all the chips being down and, you know, all the the pressure. We're going to see this as the emergence of Garrett Wilson when we're looking back at his great career and remembering his first great game as a Jet. And I really think we're going to look back and say that's the game that that changed things. That's the game that really flipped the script and set this team up for success in the future. I'm I'm over the moon. I cannot overstate how much I think this win means to this team. I really think it could be franchise changing. I think so as well. All right. Well, I think that does it for this week. What a week. I hope we get to do this again very, very soon in the future. Oh, you're right. God, we got to do predictions. I'm so I'm so excited. I'm so ready to just go on and, and continue <laughs> on. I don't even want to bother with predictions. Well, Matt, you interrupted me. So go ahead. Give your prediction and I'll I'll let you take the floor and shut my mouth for a minute. All right. So. I think it's going to be a high-scoring shootout uh, where it's just going to come down to the end, where who still has enough in the tank uh, to stop the other team. I think it's going to be high-flying, especially uh, in the passing game for both teams. Uh, But I think we're going to actually pull this out at home uh, for our first home victory. Uh, I'm going to say 31-23. I like that a lot. That's very similar to where I'm going. I think, like I said, leading up, I love this matchup. I think the Jets have a lot of positives uh, in a lot of key areas. Slowing down the secondary or slowing down the receivers of the Bengals with our secondary is no easy task. But I think a lot of that has to do with the Bengals offensive line. And if Burrow doesn't have time to chuck anything deep, it's not going to matter anyway. I I'm expecting a big, big, big Jets win in front of the homes crowd. I'm going 27-10 Jets. 
I think right. this is a statement. I think the Bengals are in free fall. I think they're they're scraping the barrel to see if they can then rebound anything. I think they're shell shocked after their historic run last year, and now they're really really struggling. Uh, I think the Jets take an opportunity to really step on their next, and you're going to set this team up for the future. Twenty seven ten Jets with a huge huge win, two and one after the first three weeks. Who would have guessed? Yeah, I mean we're uh, I think we're both two and zero right now with our our predictions. So. Uh, we are. Let's, we let's are. See if we can make it three and zero. We're trying to keep the streak alive, and hopefully, the Jets can start a streak of their own. Now, I can say, I think that does <laughs> it for us this week. Thank you guys so much for listening. You can find me at Andrew Golden underscore seventeen. You can find Mister Matt over there at Zazzy Jets. Uh, make sure you guys are following at OKD Podcast as well, Matt. We haven't said anything on air, and I'm going to give you the opportunity. But I think you have an announcement for the people. I would love to share the awesome news with them. Oh, absolutely. Uh, last Friday, I brought the new generation of Jets fan into the world. Uh, welcome Miller Morrow. He's going to be by my side cheering us on uh, for games to come. Uh, he was uh, pivotal in the, in this win, I think, on uh, yesterday. So oh, looking, absolutely. Forward to, looking forward to him actually willingly watching games with me in the future and not me just forcing him by putting him on my lap. Well, however it has to get done, I'm sure young Miller is going to grow up and experience plenty more Jets victories. He did not have to wait very long for his first. I'm very, very proud of that. Uh, Matt, thank you for sharing. Thank you for being here, taking your time with all that you have going on. And a huge thank you to everyone for listening. We will be back next week, hopefully to celebrate another Jets win. Let's keep the September streak alive. J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Thank you guys so much. Bye-bye. (laughs) 